Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm thanking God awesome even on a Wednesday night. I'm just glad you're living under the umbrella of the blessing of the Lord. If God has been good to you for the next 10 seconds, I just want you to lift both hands and open your mouth. Come on, somebody, and just say, God, I thank you for your blood. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your blessing.
just thankful for that blood tonight. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now if you're thankful for his blood. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise tonight. You're glad to be here and feel what you feel. Our God is so good. He is so good. How many of you are thankful for the blood that washes away every one of your sins, every single transgression? I am grateful tonight for the blood of Jesus, aren't you? I'd like us to take just one more moment and just invite his presence into this place with our hands lifted, with our hearts lifted. God, you are merciful, you are great, you are holy, you are mighty, you are beautiful for situation, you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. And I worship you tonight in this house. I lift you up. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you all of my allegiance and my praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Amen. Just remain standing for a moment. It's good to see you in church on a Wednesday night. This place was wall-to-wall -wall packed Sunday night. And I am thankful for what God is doing in our midst. We've got our kids next door. We've got our teenagers next door. We've got a team next door. And we've got you and I in here. And I believe that God is going to touch and bless us in this place. Had a wonderful time at prayer meeting on uh, Monday night. Had a wonderful time at Rescue and Hope last night. And we are back here tonight believing God to touch. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. If you have a need tonight, there are some names on the screen. You can see those. I'd like for you to pick a couple of those names and uh, take them as your personal prayer need right now and your need, and let's lift it up to God, and let's bind our faith together and believe that the Lord is going to minister in this place tonight and touch and deliver. Let's pray for God to set healing loose in this place by the power of the Holy Ghost right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are able to do what we cannot do. You are able to bless where we cannot bless. In the name of Jesus, right now. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. By the power of the Holy Ghost, I speak healing in this body. I speak deliverance in this body. I pray right now for a miracle to be loosed in her. In the name of Jesus Christ, your word is forever settled in heaven. You are the healer. Do it right now, God. We give you praise and glory. If you trust that he's able, give him praise right now. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our ushers are coming. You can be seated tonight. God bless you. It's so good to have our friends and our guests here tonight. So glad to have Kelly in church with us. Kelly was at Rescue and Hope last night, and he's here tonight, and I believe God's going to touch him in this service. Father, we thank you for your power, for all of your blessings. We ask you to bless the gift, the tithe, the offering, everything that we invest and impart into your kingdom. We ask you to multiply it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Give us unto the Lord, and he will bless you. I went to probably 
next to a funeral home. This is probably my least favorite place to go. I went to the dentist today. And I sat in that torture chair for about 45 minutes. And I thought to myself, who in their right mind would subject themselves to this? And I, today wasn't enough. I got to go back tomorrow. And I, they got to fix some stuff that some other dentist messed up, I guess. And so I want you to pray for me. That if the uh, if it be the Lord's will, that uh, He'd just take care of all of that, and I wouldn't have to go. Brother Elmo came in my office one time, and he asked me, he "said Brother Brandon, do you believe that God can do anything?" I said, "Well, absolutely, I do." He said, "Well, I need you to pray about something." I said, "All right." He said, "I want you to pray for God to give me a new set of teeth." never quite prayed for that before and I said now you're too old to remember this I said but you don't remember what it was like when you cut those first teeth that you cut and how miserable you were he said I don't care I want God to give me a new set of teeth and he did it was just through via the dentist the dentist gave him a new set of teeth through the Lord Yes, we can praise God for that. All right. I want you to go with me to the book of Luke, the ninth chapter and the 57th verse. But this weekend, I believe that God is going to turn this place upside down with his glory and with his power. And I want you to help me pray and believe that tonight, that God is going to do that in this house. Luke the ninth chapter and the 57th verse and it came to pass that as they went in the way a certain man said unto him Lord I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest now that is quite a pledge for somebody to say wherever you go having no idea where the Lord is going uh, I doubt if he had a had the foresight to know about Calvary that he would have pledged this kind of pledge. Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head or no place to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But his response was, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. In other words, nothing takes precedence or preeminence over preaching the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, here's a pledge. I'll follow you, but you got to first let me bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Now what you got to know about Jesus is he had very little compassion for people's feelings. He just told them the truth. 
he, when it came to the truth, he didn't care whether you liked it, whether it was palatable for you, whether you thought it would fit into your own mindset or your agenda. He didn't care. He just preached the truth. And that's what God's called us to do today is to preach and believe and follow after the truth. I shared some of this. I was going back through some old notes and I didn't understand why the Lord has given me probably seven messages in the last three days. I have just been writing and writing. I went to the dentist and I got home and I was writing, writing, writing. And But this has been on my heart. And so we'll get to that other stuff later. But these are some things that the Lord has laid on my heart. And as I was reading back through some old stuff, the Lord began to move on me. And I'm going to take this an, another direction. But I want to talk to you tonight about the best place for you to begin. The best place for you to begin. The best place for you to start. Anybody know where that is? It's right here where you are right now. That's the best place, the best time for you to follow after Jesus. Amen. Amen. God, bless your word. Anoint my lips. Anoint our hearts. Speak to us tonight, Lord. There's some people here that need to hear this. And you knew they'd be here. I didn't know they'd be here, but you knew they'd be here. Just like. You know, the disciple that was under the tree. You saw him before he ever arrived. You've called us and you've brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Let us respond with faith to your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap to the Lord before you're seated. Amen, amen. There's a blog that I, I read on occasion. And I went back and kind of looked at it a little bit today that describes Christian places in America and other places that are not conducive for us to be Christians. And it highlights the struggles that Christians encounter being Christians. And it highlights the struggles that come with being a name bearer and standing against the rising tide of persecution and hate and disdain that many suffer at the hands of, they call them progressives, but really they're very backward. And Christians now, I never thought, and, and even as a kid, when they would talk about, you know, maybe one day Christians would, would be persecuted in America, I never foresaw a time where that was possible. We were so bent toward Christianity and the things of God and tolerance that I never believed that we would ever reach a place in America where Christians would be persecuted. But do you realize we are in that place right now to where it's not conducive for you to stand up and declare that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. That I am one of his. In Hollywood in particular, in the government, on the left coast and the east coast, it would seem according to the media, both mainstream and social, that no one in this place called America is a Christian, but there really are men and women who are fighting to try to live out their faith and their, their, their hope and their love for God against the grain of what is popular and well-received in American society today. And in our society, they want us to believe that transgenders make up um, and identify as transgender, that they make up this vast majority of the people that are in America that are voting and paying taxes, when in fact it's 
only 0.3% of Americans that identify as transgender, but if you watch the media, they'll tell you that's basically half of everybody. Uh, there's only 0.3% or, or of Americans that identify as uh, what, what is known as homosexual or whatever, but they, if you watch Hollywood, they'll make you believe that 99%'s that way and you're part of the minority 1%. And in this blog, it, it was talking about a TV show that came out in the early 2000s, and it was a situational comedy or a sitcom about a character, and the guy in the show uh, was a guy named Earl. And this guy, Earl, has, according to the, the show, has been a pretty bad guy almost his whole life. He's just been a petty thief, and he's been rude and unkind to people that he would come in contact with. But one day... He went and he's got this lottery ticket, and as he's celebrating about winning the lottery, he gets run over and hit by a car and ends up in the hospital. And while he's in the hospital, he realizes that he's done so much bad and he's sown so many bad seeds that nothing good is ever going to happen to him. And so he, he begins the principle of what you and I know is reaping and sowing. Hindus call it karma. He decides he's going to, in order to change his life, he's, he makes this list of every bad thing that he can think of that he's ever done to anybody, and he comes up with 277 things that he's done wrong that he must rectify and change, and he's got to find the people that he did wrong, and he's got to do something kind or nice for them in order to cancel out the bad that he's done. And then once he's done that, he can scratch them off his list. You know, if he lied to a third-grade teacher, then he's got to go back and find that third-grade teacher, and he's got to do something nice for her to cancel out the lie that he told. And that's the whole premise. And each week, each episode, it's him finding something he did wrong, and he's trying to correct it. And I think before the show went off the air, this blog said he had scratched 95 things off his list. And that got me to thinking, you know, what if I had to make a list of all the bad things that I've done in my life and I had to rectify and change and correct all of this stuff? What if the only way that you and I had to correct the past that we had done wrong and that we had injured and harmed people, that we had to go back and we had to do something nice for everybody we had ever done something bad to? Would you? How would you like to live your life that way? where everything that you had ever done wrong, you had to correct the wrongs that you committed. The only way to really square yourself with the Lord was to go back into your past and find the situations where I was wrong and then proceed to trying to find a way to make it right again. But then how in the world would you unsmoke all those cigarettes that you smoked? I mean, really, how would you undrink, you know, whatever it was that you, you drank? Or whatever it was. How anybody in here wish that you could have back all the money that you spent on the things of the world before you came to God? Uh, how rich, what could we do for missions if we had back all the money that we had spent on stuff in this world to try to make us happy? Just just think. How could you go back and correct the relationships that are failed? I'm sure those people would just be thrilled to see you coming again, walking up their sidewalk, 
thinking, I hadn't seen that girl in 20 years. What in the world is she doing here? The last time I saw her, she was beating me out of something, out of money, out of a dress or a pair of shoes or, or something. How would you, they, you know they'd just be thrilled to see you showing up on their doorstep. I'm sure that kid that you made fun of or bullied in junior high school and made fun of his clothes or his haircut or, or whatever the way he's, I'm sure he'd be thrilled to see you showing up 30 years later on his doorstep. That looks like so-and-so. What in the world are they doing here? I'm sure they'd all be overjoyed to see you all again. But what if we all had to make a list and try to rectify? What if Simon Peter had to make a list? And what if, what if uh, David had to make a list? What would that list look like? How do you fix some of this stuff that we get ourselves into? How would you correct some of the problems that you have brought about in your life? Our lives are the sum total of the decisions that we make. Most of the bad choices and wrong turns and broken relationships, there, there would be no way that I could even remember all of the things that I did wrong, all of the times I didn't tell the truth, all of the times I had a bad attitude, all the times I took something that didn't belong to me. How, how could you even go back and fix all the times that you ruined a relationship or you injured a friend or, or, or a stranger? It's impossible for you to fix everything that you've done wrong by a counteracting good deed. But you know what else I've discovered is that we do that when we come in contact with Jesus. We don't try to do that in the world so much, but we try to do that with Jesus. When we encounter Jesus for the first time, what we do is start trying to qualify our place in him and why he should love us. And we begin to look for avenues to find a way to make ourselves good enough to receive what he is freely trying to impart and give into us. We feel the invitation to come and to follow him and we begin to compile our own little list of all the things that's up to us to set in order, get corrected, to rectify, to change before we can ever begin the process of following God. We all have a checklist of the things that must be taken care of before we can yield our will to his will and our way to his way and our thoughts to his thoughts. You, you would be surprised at the people that I have talked to and witnessed to and tried to get them to come to church and tried to get them to hear the gospel and they will tell me, I, I intend on coming to church. I really intend on getting my life right with God. But there are some things I got to take care of first before I can come and give my heart to the Lord and I can repent of my sins. I, I, I really like what you're saying. I really think that it's a good idea. And I really need to have my family and my kids on a church pew. And I really need to be investing my life into the kingdom of God. But you know, there's just some things I got to fix before I can come to God. I, I've got some things that I got to do. And in Acts the 24th chapter, Paul is called by this governor called Felix. And Felix is married to a Jewish woman named Drusilla. And Paul begins to speak to him. And Paul begins to talk to him. And Paul begins to expound unto him the way of God more perfectly. And as he reasoned, the Bible says, of righteousness and temperance. And, and as he began to talk to him about the judgment that's going to come on the world... 
the word of God says that Felix began to tremble. He is visibly shaken by what Paul is saying. He's moved. He's rattled. He's flustered by what Paul is describing to him through the word of God. But his response to Paul is this. It says, and he answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, then I will call for you. It's, it's not that he doesn't believe what Paul is saying. It's not that he doesn't give credence and, 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 and thinks it's legitimate what Paul is talking about. But it's just not really the best time, Paul. I've got some areas in my life that I need to fix first. And I've got some things that I need to get taken care of before I make the decision to follow God. It's, it's not so much that I don't believe what you're saying. It's just that it's not the best time. It's not a good time. But here's what I've come to tell you today, and this is my message. It's almost over, so you better get it now. The best place for you to begin to follow Jesus is the place that you are standing right now. All right? The best place to begin to, to give your life to God and to begin to do the things that you feel in your heart that you know that you need to do is the place you are right now, where you are in life at this moment. Can, can I just be honest with you? There's no other place for you to start than where you are now. You can't go back and find some other place and, and, and like a computer restart, go back and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a hard reset and start back here in 1973. I'm, I'm going to go back to 1994 when I had that, and I'm going to do it back. No, the only place for you to begin the journey of following God and giving your heart to God and repenting of your sins and getting I'm telling you now like like brother Goins preached Sunday morning now is the accepted time there is no other time you can't go back to yesterday listen if you didn't get it Sunday you can't go back and replay Sunday all over again and make a new decision and a new choice you've got to start where you are right now that's the only place for you to start you've got to begin where you are right now can I tell you, you don't get to start where you want to be, where I, where I like to be, where, where I desire to be. God doesn't call you from another place. God calls you from where you are right now. And if his spirit is drawing you, if his presence is pulling you toward his purpose and his plan for your life, then you don't have to go back. There's nothing for you to go back and correct. All you have to do is start where you are right now, repent of your sins, go down in water in Jesus' name, and he'll wash it all away. You don't have to compile a list. You don't have to try to remember every teacher, every Every friend, every relationship, every dime, every nickel. You've got to start from where you are right now. There's nothing to go back and fix, nothing to go back and correct. All you've got to do is repent, and his blood will take care of the rest. Well, well, preacher, I'm not good enough. Hey, join the crowd. There's none of us that are good enough. Well, well I'm flawed. I've got this problem. Listen, we're all flawed. We all have problems, you know. That, that's not the issue. The issue is this. You can't come to 
him unless the spirit draws you. So if his spirit is drawing, then you need to turn loose of whatever you're holding on to in your hand. Let go of what's holding you back and make a decision to follow him. You don't have to go tell anybody goodbye. You don't have to go rectify anything back in your past. You don't have to turn around and go let anybody know or get anybody's permission. You just make a decision. Hey, you can do it tonight. You can do it right now. I make a decision. I'm going to be somebody that different than I've ever been before. When I study the word of God and you look at Jesus and what Jesus did, Jesus, he didn't find a person with one devil. You know, we probably all had one devil. He goes and finds the man with a legion of devils. He goes and finds the most possessed individual on earth. Nobody like this guy. This guy, hey, where do you live? I don't know where you live, but you don't live in the graveyard. He lived in the graveyard. Now, you may not be wearing, and I don't even know what the style, I mean, you can look at me and say, I'm not stylish. I don't know what's in style, but whatever you're wearing tonight, it's better than what he was wearing. Because he wasn't wearing nothing. He was the original streaker. The Bible said he wore no clothes. You see these people walking around don't want to wear clothes. You don't know why? They got a devil. Well, I just, I just said it. Yeah, or they're not in their right mind. They either got a devil or they ain't in their right mind. You ever seen these people and you're like, God, I don't want to see that. Somebody get, get them a towel or a robe. Or it's like the people that really shouldn't. Well, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. But he had... He had a legion of devils. If, if you take a legion and do the numbers, that's anywhere between four and 7,000 devils. That's a lot of devils. I don't care how you cut it. That's a lot of devils in one person. But Jesus found the extreme. You want to know why? Because he wanted to show the people that had five devils that if I can deliver a man that's got 5,000 devils, and your five devils really aren't an issue for me. I can deliver you or your five spirits that are tormenting you. And, and when, he, when he found the extreme and he wanted to heal somebody that was sick, you know, he's always, the, the stories are always that he's, he's not just healing sick people. He's healing dead people. Now, I don't know about you, when, when they cover us up and they tag our toes, that's when we usually, we don't pray anymore. We pray up until then. But Jesus said, I just to prove to you that I can heal sickness, 
I'm going to heal people that are dead. It's the extreme. And, and so I was looking at this and, and contemplating this, and you got this woman that he meets at the well. Now, this woman that's at the well, I mean, let's just be honest. We find out she just didn't have one divorce. She ain't even had two divorces. She's had five divorces. Now, I won't be honest with you. If you've been married five times or more, even in this society, I, I'm not. We're not going. We're not going to make fun of you or anything like that. But if you've been married five times, that's even a lot for America. I mean, at this day and time, that's. I mean, how many times was Liz Taylor married? Anybody know? Thirteen. She had the same, you know, thing this woman at the well had. Jesus said, she's got five divorces, and. The, the one that she's got now, she's just she just decided, I'm not even going to go to the trouble anymore. You know, I'm not even going to bother. And now what Jesus does is he, he doesn't tell her, go back to all of those five husbands. And I want you to find out what you did wrong. What was your part in the demise of these five failed marriages? Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go dig up some bones from all these failed, unsuccessful, insolvent relationships. And I want you to figure out what you did wrong, what you could have done better, how you're going to change and be a better person. He didn't want the details. He already knew what the details was. Because when she left from there, she said, come see a man that told me all I ever did. He knew everything. He knew the stuff that nobody knew. And so Jesus found the extreme case to show us that it doesn't matter how wrecked your personal life is. Jesus can put it all back together. And you don't have to go fix anything other than just repent and start from where you are right now. He knew everything. How are you going to go back and fix all that anyway? Which one would you pick to go back to, to, to ask? Pick one of the five. I know what you've done. I know your past. I know your present. But here's the deal. I'm offering you living water in spite of how you have failed, your checkered past, all of the issues that you've had, all the insolvent relationships. Stop worrying about what you can't fix. Stop fretting over what you can't correct. Jesus is calling you. The master is calling you. The best place, I'll, I'll take it a step further, the only place to start to begin to follow him is where you are right now. That's it. No other place. We pick up the story, and Paul is, is hauling Christians to jail, and he's, he's taking people, and he's having them stoned. He's, he's holding the coats of the men that stoned Stephen, the first martyr that's in the book of Acts. And Paul is doing all of this hateful stuff to the church, and he's got letters to, to go and drag more of them into prison. But the Lord gets a hold of him on the road to Damascus, and he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting my church? Who 
art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. In other words, I believe the Lord had been moving on Paul, but now he's going to the extreme measures. He doesn't just get the one that's just kind of out there in left field. No. He goes and finds the worst one he can find and says, I want to prove to everybody else. It doesn't matter how messed up you are in your theology. It doesn't matter how messed up you are concerning my word and my church. I'll do it for him, and if I'll do do it for him, you're going to fall somewhere in between that, so that means I can do it for you. He said unto another, follow me, but he said, Lord, suffer me to go and first bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but you go preach the kingdom. Another, follow me, but I got to go bid farewell to those it's even a problem for people in the church. We're always looking for a better situation, a better time, a more of a growth potential in our life for us to do the things that we feel like God is calling us to do. I told the folks at prayer meeting the other night uh, that in one of the most frustrating things about leading people is in the church is that you always identify those who have great potential. I mean, they've got a they got a great credit score, they drive a great car, they can talk to people, they they're nice looking, they're handsome, they're well dressed, they're talented, they're they've got charisma and you look at those people and you say, "Man, those people have potential to do something for God." But what I've discovered that God doesn't use the ones that have potential. God uses the ones that have a willingness to answer him when he calls because what I figured out about God all the shortcomings that are in my life God can make up the difference if I'm just willing to get up from where I am and follow after him when he calls me I, I, I can't wait on me correct I can't read enough leadership books to decide okay I'm smart enough to pastor I can't read the word of God enough to decide okay I'm qualified to preach I, I, I can't do enough witnessing to get to the place or studying the word to decide no you just got to get up from where you are and say, God, you can use me where I am right now. I don't have to go fix anything. All I got to do is be humble, be willing, and do what you tell me to do. Say what you tell me to say. Go where you tell me to go. That's what you are looking for in order to use. Hudson Taylor, one of the great missionary pioneers of the past, was getting ready to put together a team to be the first to take the gospel of Jesus into China. He was in Scotland trying to put this team together, and he's preaching about his burden for China. And he, he says, look, I need guys that have a burden to go to China. It's dangerous. They might throw us in jail. Worse off, they might kill us. But I need somebody that's willing to go. Nobody got up. Nobody volunteered to go except one uh, one-legged school teacher came up to the front and offered himself for the people of China. And Hudson Taylor asked him, you've only got one leg. Why in the world are you thinking about going to China? being a missionary when all you've got is one leg. And the man who later became a famous missionary named George Scott said, well, 
I don't see any people with two legs going, so the way I see it, if God can get the glory out of one leg, he'll just have to get the glory out of one leg instead of all the two-legged people. But I'm not going to wait for all the two-legged people to get their business together. I'm going to go and do what God needs to be done. Does that make sense? I want you to find for me, uh, guys, let me, let me look real quick. Let's love the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I feel God in this place. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. There was a man that asked Jesus about eating bread in the kingdom and Jesus turned it around into a parable and he said there's a man who was going to throw this huge feast he said he sent out an invitation RSVP for the feast and instead of RSVPs, he started getting excuses of why they couldn't come. The man said, I bought a piece of property. And then I got to go look at this property. Another man said, I bought an ox. I need to go test this ox. Another man said, I married a wife. I can't go to the, to the feast. There always seems to be more excuses to why we can't do what God's asking us to do. There always seems to be a legitimate reason as to why I can't do what God's calling me to do. I, I, I got to fix this. I got to do this. I, I've got this pressing issue, this need. It has to be addressed. And when I get this fixed, I, I, it's not that I don't want to do it. It's not that I don't want to come. It's not that I don't see the need. It's just that I got all this other stuff. Got all these other irons in the fire. And my Bible says that when it comes to picking a day, there's only one day to choose. Now, today is the day of salvation. When it comes to salvation, that's not something you need to put off until a more convenient time. When, when it comes to the day of salvation, you don't beat altar calls. You, you don't hold on to the pew until the spirit lifts. You, you don't do that. That's not how this is done. No, what you do is 
you say, yes, Lord. I'm not going to compile a list of all the things that I need to fix, need to do, the places I need to go, the people that I need to correct things with. All I got to do is repent. That's all I got to do is repent. I got to get baptized. And I got to get his spirit. That's how you fix your life. You don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. The Bible says that it's the devil found that house that was all fixed up. He said, that's a good place for me and my seven others that are worse than me to come and live. Let me tell you something. God is not attracted to the whole God is attracted to the broken. God is not attracted to the man or the woman that's the Pharisee that's going to smite his chest and say, Lord, I'm so thankful I'm not like this guy right here. The Lord is looking for the man or the woman that says, I don't have it all together, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go down to that altar, and I'm going to turn my life over to God, and I'm going to make a decision to let God fix all the stuff that's wrong in my life. I'm going to let God renovate all the areas in my life that need fixing. The best place to start. Stand with me. Is where you are right now. God never told anybody to fix anything. He said, take up your cross. Follow me. Great will be your reward in heaven. Lord, I, I've done my best to obey you tonight. I've done my best to cast out the net for some wandering, wayward soul. That the devil is somehow hoodwinked into believing that they've got this list of things they've got to correct before they come to you. They've got this whole life that's turned upside down and everything's out of order. And when they can get their hands on it just right and get everything maneuvered and manipulated just right, then, Lord, they're going to come to you. God, you don't want us to come to you when we've manipulated our lives. You want us to come to you broken, open, honest, ready to receive and lean on you. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. The night I came to the altar the first time, the devil was screaming in my ear. Just wait a little longer. There'll be another time. There'll be another service. There'll be another opportunity, even better than this one. There'll be another day, another Sunday, another Wednesday, another revival. There'll be another moment, another opportunity. The devil was screaming in my ear, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But I want you to know that I got up out of that pew and I walked down to the front. 
There wasn't anybody that went with me. I didn't follow anybody. Nobody blazed the trail. I just got up from where I was in a church service, and I went down to that altar, and I said, God, I need you. I can't fix this. I can't correct this. This is too far gone. I am in a desperate situation. I am in need of you. My life is turned upside down. Lord, if there's anything you can do to help me right now, I could really, really, really use some help. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? Anybody know that when you come to God, it's not when everything is up, it's when everything is down. It's not when you've got everything, it's when you are in a place of brokenness. It's when you are in a place of absolute dependence upon God. Why don't you reach out and put your hand on the shoulder of the person beside you right now and pray, God, if this is their night, God, give them the courage to step out and to go up there and to pray and seek your face. God, don't wait for a convenient season. Don't wait for another day, another moment, another opportunity. God, if this is the time, if this is the day, if this is the moment, Lord, don't let me let it go by the boards. Don't let me miss this magnificent moment of opportunity. Come on, church. I need you to help me pray right now. God, don't let me lose my chance and my opportunity to receive what you promised that I could receive. God, this is my day. This is my time. This is my hour. Come on, I'm not trying to embarrass you tonight. But there are some people that really, really need to come down here and talk to the Lord. There, there are some people, we're not going to, we love you. We're not going to embarrass you in the least. But there are some people that need to just come out of here and talk to the Lord. They just need to come and quit waiting on a better day, a better moment. The Bible says if you wait for the perfect weather, you'll never plant, you'll never sow, and you'll never reap. If you wait for the most opportune, perfect moment, no. You just got to get up and go and believe that this is my day, this is my hour. The Holy Ghost is drawing you right now. It's time for you to answer God's call. You got to receive from the hand of the Lord.
I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Are you hurting, broken, sin? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Sometimes you just need to get one-on-one with Jesus and let him know, God, I'm not giving the devil any more place in my life. From this moment on, I draw the line. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. In the name of the Lord, come on, let's worship him together.
I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I'm going to give you a quick praise report. Tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Brother Chris is going to be graduating from drug court. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but while Brother Johnson was here, Brother Johnson talked about how God, he prophesied, he said there's some people God's going to expunge their record. God's going to do away with it. Well, tomorrow at 1 o'clock, they're expunging his record, all of that stuff. It's going to be gone in the name of Jesus. We're so proud of him. We're so proud of he and Felicia. So proud of he and Felicia. So proud of so many of you. Thank you. God bless you. That sweet young lady worshiping and seeking God. Folks, we have got to understand that we can only serve God from the place where we are right now. That's why you can't be me and I can't be you because you're not where I'm at and I'm not where you are. You've got to serve God from wherever you are right now. Quit worrying about some far off, this this time out in the future that the devil's convinced you of. You've got to start right now. You've got to start today is your day. God's doing some awesome, awesome things. One more time, slip up your hands. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad God's calling, aren't you? I'm glad God is calling us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad some of these folks have just dug their heels in, said, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm so proud of Michelle back there. Michelle is doing amazing. I'm so proud of Haley. Haley's doing amazing. I'm, I'm just so proud of so many of you. They're just digging your heels in. Craig, man, you're doing awesome. Don't stop. Don't stop. We love Craig. We love Craig. So awesome. So awesome. Thankful for each and every one of you and what God is doing. Now, I've got rem- to remind you, Sister Teresa is not here tonight. When is the, the ladies' 